0: Welcome to Obsessed with Design. My name's Josh Miles. Today on Obsessed with Design, I chat with my friend Lars Lawson, another Indianapolis guy. Lars and I talk about how he got started working for the printing company across the street from his university, his work with Coca-Cola and breweries and coffee companies and all kinds of cool niche Industries, as well as an email that he once received down the chain from Will. I am. Stay tuned for that and more as we chat with Lars Lawson. You can get links to all of today's show notes on our website at ObsessedShow.com. While you're at it, follow us on Twitter at ObsessedShow and I'm at Josh Miles. Also, head on over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe to the show and help others. Find us online. So, without further ado, here's Lars Lawson. Hey guys, welcome to Obsessed with Design. Today, I'm very excited to talk to my friend Lars Lawson, who's the owner of Timber Design. Lars, thanks for being on Obsessed with Design.
1: Thanks, Josh. It's it's quite an honor to be here. So, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, you bet. Uh, so, Lars and I are both in Indianapolis, and we both have served on uh, some boards together big parts of the local design and advertising creative scene here in Indy and uh, I always enjoy showing off some of our creative peeps and especially people with talent like Mr. Lars Lawson so it's great to have you.
1: Ah, Thank you very much. It's a pleasure.
0: So Lars I'd like to talk to you first like we do with a lot of our guests about your origin story as a designer and talk about how you got into doing design professionally.
1: Wow. Um yeah, so it would have to go way back. Um as I think a lot of people's stories do. Um in high school it was it was one of those things where oh, you know, you're good at art. And I think I'd always been good at art. I was um winning awards since the first grade. <laughs> I mean, I've got this nice little construction paper cutout of an Easter egg house that I made in, in like first grade. That has a nice little blue ribbon on it.
0: You know, um, mine was a Thanksgiving turkey, so I'm right there. Uh, with there you
1: him. go. Yeah, yeah, and I still have that, and it's framed. Um, and I think I, you know, growing up, I was always good at art. It was always that term. Oh, you're good at drawing. You're good at art. And I don't think. Um, y- y- <laughs> as a kid, you don't think much of that. I mean, you just know you have a passion for it and you enjoy doing something. But, you know, all through school, that was that was where, you know, my interests slide and and what I did. And um, I think I spent a lot of time in high school, you know, always in the art department. You know, if I had a, a free time, I was always in the art department. If it was lunch, I was always in the art department. And, I, you know, I spent a lot of time there. And I think, eventually you have to figure out what to do with that and you have to start thinking about going to school. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think to me, it was always obvious. Like I knew I was going to go into art. I don't know that I necessarily knew what that meant. Um, but there was that that crisis moment when I was a senior in high school and I thought, Oh my gosh, maybe I'm not supposed to go into art. Maybe I'm supposed to do something else. What else am I good (laughs) at? Um, I'm good at math. Maybe I didn't need to go into math. And I thought, "Uh, no, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was looking at a couple schools, and I ended up finding a good art program at a a liberal arts school, and 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 went there. Um, And I think the freshman year, you you go through all these processes of 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 setting up, you know, curriculum and majors, and and right off the bat they ask you you know well do you want to be a commercial artist or a fine artist and I was like oh I don't know what's what's the difference (laughs) I mean I I think at that point in that time do you want to
0: get paid or not (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah I mean in my mind the fine artist was in my head it was just this starving artist mentality I thought well no you know I want my work to serve a purpose and to be meaningful so I guess commercial art so Mm -hmm. um, I chose that direction and went to the graphic design program and it was a really, really good program. Um, it wasn't an art school, um, but I think I, I'm a firm believer that, that, that school is what you make it to be. And, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I think you, know, I, I, you can choose to work hard and, and be productive and, and to learn, or you can not do. And, uh, I worked hard in school and, and, and tried to um, be the best at what I was doing. And, um, I think it paid off. My senior year of school, I did an internship at a a publishing company, which was like right across the street from the campus. And um, I did some work for them that um, ended up on the cover of their catalog of of this publishing company. And um, I was like this this star intern for them. And at the end of school, uh, all my friends were... You know, working on their portfolios and working on resumes and looking for a job, and the publishing company that I was interning with just hired me on. Nice. And I never had to look for a job. I never had to go through that process. I never had to work on my portfolio or go on interviews or any of that stuff. I just, I just kept working right through my graduation and and for six and a half more years later. I think um, doing that was pretty amazing experience for me because i got to um learn a lot of things firsthand that i don't think other people were learning at the publishing company we had presses on site so we did we had we all did our own press checks and me being the intern and living so close to the office i did most of the press checks (laughs) yeah so i had this crash course on you know how to um how to color balance and how to work with pressmen and how to, you know, what can and can't be done. And Mm -hmm. and we did everything from foil stamping to embossing to four-color printing to to everything. So I think my first job in the publishing world was such a great experience for me because I learned all these really, really great tools. We had back then, you know, it was right before the onset of computers, we had strippers and we had paste-up artists and we had all that. So I think I learned some really, really valuable tools that have helped me throughout the rest of my career
0: yeah and uh for those of you confused by any of those terms um, yeah. don't google strippers you're going to get something different but that's was part of the the team that would help lay out the film and make sure all the the images and the artwork were in position and you guys have that that giant uh camera as well there
1: yeah yeah we had a giant camera uh, a photostat camera i yeah. guess is that what it's yeah, called? yeah i think that's what photostat. it's
0: called yeah i'm i'm uh I'm just sitting here sort of amazed how similar our first jobs were so we'll yeah. have, we'll talk about that more later because the show's about you
1: yeah i mean we were all up on drafting tables and doing blue lines and and doing all that stuff mm. um, it was it was a great experience we got we got um we got crash coursed on computers we had trainers come into the to work environment and train us for several months so I got all that computer training for free. It wasn't something I learned at school mm. And I stayed at the, in the publishing world for about six years, and a lot of people were just, were at that point, a lot of people were encouraging me to to, to go on to do something else. Lars, you're you're better than this. You can you need to move on. You need to find something else. We, that we've done, we, we've given you as much as we can give you here at the publishing in the publishing world. And so, I started listening to them and started. Um, looking at what was next for my life. And I, again, I didn't really know what that was. I think growing up, I grew up pretty poor growing up. And so my biggest goal in life was to go to college. And I don't think I had much thought beyond that, because that was such a a, 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 a high attainable thing for me I didn't have, <laughs> you know, I didn't think I have the right or the ability to think beyond that. Okay. so once I achieved that, I, I didn't, I didn't have too many, you know, set goals. Um, I was lucky to end up, end up at the publishing company, but then when I had to start looking for a job, I was like, Oh wow, what, what can I do? And where, what do I want to go? and <laughs> What's out there? I didn't know. Cause I never had to look for that job. I never had to do all those things. And then I was turned on to the world of advertising and design And, um, I started looking for a job here in Indianapolis and I had put together a really strong portfolio of all the work that I'd done in the publishing world and started, um, networking myself around Indy. And it was a really, really interesting process because, um, I think with anything, you know, people would look at my book and say, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. I I, I need to call so-and-so. There. I'm going to send you over there. I'm going to send you to this agency. I'm going to send you to this agency. You're really strong. You've really got good work. Oh, but you don't have any advertising experience. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> you just said you just raved about my book. So, I mean, that was a really interesting process because it's easy to see how people get hung up on certain things or how people get pigeonholed into ideas or in what they can and can't do. I, I think we, as, as creative people, as designers, we see that all over the place. But that was my first experience of it. It was like, whoa, wait, huh? What do you mean?
0: Yeah, it's like uh one of our first interviews when we talked to Von Glitschka, he was talking about this guy that wanted to hire him to do a turtle illustration and he he sent them all these other illustrations that he had, all these other animals and creatures and they're like but but there's no turtles in here. And he's like, "Look, man, I I can do a turtle." <laughs> so yeah. I, and he didn't end up getting the job because they were not convinced that he could do a turtle because there was no turtle. So it Isn't that amazing? It's funny how uh, how stuck you can get
1: yeah, I think I once in, in early in my years of advertising had somebody ask me, you know, a, 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 an account executive not convinced that I could design a neonatal brochure <laughs> because I wasn't married and I didn't have kids. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting.
1: But I mean, luckily, I was I once found... a
0: baby, so I, I think right, I can right. pull this off.
1: I was lucky enough that I found an agency that was willing to take a chance, I guess, and hire me. And that started my, um, my career here in Indianapolis.
0: Well, after the publishing company, you then worked for a couple of different agencies, marketing firms in Indy, and then ultimately started your own thing, which you're doing now as timber. So tell me about how those experiences kind of led you there. Or did you always know, I mean, from the publishing company, maybe not, but once you got your feet wet in the advertising world, did you know you wanted to do your own thing or how did that all transpire?
1: Absolutely not. No. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was taking it one step at a time and, and learning along the way. So I, I did land a job at a fairly large agency on the north side of Indianapolis and was doing that for several years. I left there to take a senior position, like a creative director position with a small shop downtown in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's all about um, being challenged and learning and um, the whole fake it till you make it kind of concept. I think I, I ended up in this place where I had to learn a lot of things that I wasn't used to doing. I had to learn to write. I think I'd always been a really good designer, but I, I, I wasn't necessarily prolific at at writing you know especially creative writing Mm -hmm. so I think once I landed into this position as creative director I had to to learn you know I had to learn what it it takes to to write good copy and I think I followed the same strategy that I always follow I mean I'm a a big fan of of just studying and, and research and I think I get better with my design just by looking at work and seeing what what's out there and what are people doing and how you know i used to pour over you know things like print magazine communication art magazine i they, they were my bible and i would look at those and just just study them page after page after page and why is this great and why does this work and what's cool about that and how did they do that and i think when i started trying my hand at the writing side of things i did the same um the same strategy it was like just just looking at things looking at award-winning things breaking it down and trying to figure out why does it work why does it not work why is that clever why is that cheesy why did you know Mm -hmm. and just and learning that way that's been a big part of my learning process
0: so i think it's amazing how many uh young designers or young creatives don't take the time to look at the stuff out there and unpack it you know i I know one of my first jobs, I would get on the, the server and open the cool projects that we had done in the past and look at how the designer had built a file and look at how things went mm-hmm. together and try to understand like, why mm-hmm. hmm, do they have an effect? No, that's just type over an image. Why do I like that so much? And try yeah, to understand and that.
1: that's awesome. I mean, that's great because so many people don't even care about that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. they'll throw a file together and it will be sloppy or messy or whatever, I think from there I went to um, a video production company that was looking to expand into print and design side of things. They had a lot of clients that were coming to them that were saying, great, you've produced this great video for us. Can you do this logo for us to throw into this video? Or can you do these brochures or whatever? And I was kind of hired in to, to learn that side of you know, the design world, the creative world to learn animation, to learn video production, but also to head up the print and design side of, of their business. Um, again, it was great experience because here I am, now I'm learning um, After Effects and 2D animation and it's all just piling up where my last company I had to learn writing and and mm-hmm. and my and at the publishing company I got, you know, the press experience. I think I've been lucky at the places that I've been to get key experiences along the way that have helped me evolve into where I am today.
0: Very cool. So at what point at this, uh, was it from the video company that you ended up launching Timber?
1: Yes. Yeah. I was I was there about six and a half years, which is about as long as I've stayed anywhere, I think. And eventually we just parted ways and I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. I was touring with a lot of different things. I um and then I had a a client basically call me who I had stayed in contact with. Um at the last place I was with I was always trying to bring business into the door, you know, and kinda earn my keep there mm-hmm. and and, and go above and beyond just the design side of things. And, and I'd stayed in touch with this guy and um, right after I had left the video production company, this guy calls me and said, hey, our, our agency has closed their doors. They just went out of business. Are you still interested in working with me? And I said, absolutely, but I'm no longer with the company. I'm kind of on my own now. And he said, great, no problem, come on in. <laughs> and I think that's what helped launch timber design company was this really great client right off the bat that just happened by Mm -hmm. chance. Um, I wasn't, I was, you know, like I said, looking at different things to do, you know, playing with starting my own business, trying to figure out if that's what I really wanted to do or not was really definitely leaning that way. But when you get a call like that with the client offering you, you know, retainership, it's like, well, all right, here we go. Let's do this
0: hard to argue with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, I was lucky in that that, 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 happened for me.
0: Cool. So today Timber is, is basically a solo practice, right? So tell me about, I mean, obviously there's so many different ways to staff and manage creative agency. What's your, um, what was kind of your strategy around doing the, the one man show thing?
1: Yeah. Um, interesting because nobody seems to think that I am, I get, emails and and comments constantly about um the size of my company and and people wanting to come work for me and i don't think people realize that i'm a one-man shop a lot of times and i think part of that is in my approach to it i've always um kind of approached it not as a freelancer i just i I think i've always cringed at that word Mm -hmm. it's like free loafing or something (laughs) i don't know i just didn't you know it didn't sound you know, professional enough maybe or something, I don't know, to me. And um, I just, with my past experience, I thought, well, I can do all these things. Why would I not market myself any differently? I mean, I can do these things. I'm a full service agency. I just happen to be a one-man person. And by, you know, with my history or my path, I met enough people along the way that I can certainly source things that need to get done that I can't do. Um, and that's come in. That's that's worked out really, really well. I mean, I, I, I don't staff up, um, but I do use people on occasion when I need to. I've got other designers, other um, people that do call themselves freelancers, whether that's, you know, camera people or production people or illustrators or whatever to reach out to when I need to. And that's actually worked out well. And I, I get that question all the time. Every time I do a speaking engagement, they're like, mm-hmm. well, well, are you going to expand? Are you going to grow? Do you think about that? And I go, e- yeah, I think about it every day. But <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, I always decide, yeah, no, not today. <laughs> and, and I think some of that has to do with how much I enjoy doing what I'm doing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works. And as long as I can continue to handle the work and stay busy and stay happy, then,
0: you know, then I don't know.
1: Who
0: what knows? do you feel like would be a good driver for you to decide, you know what, I'm going to hire two guys next month? You know, what what would cause you to say, I I think I need to do this differently?
1: If I ever got probably overwhelmed or so much work that, you know, if I had other, you know, more clients come on that where I didn't feel like I could keep up on a, on a regular level. I mean, there's definitely been t- those times when I've not seen the light of a, at the end of a tunnel, mm-hmm. but I've always gotten there. And I think that if I got, you know, s- enough work, I would I would first of all make sure that the work was going to be there and g- going to be steady enough to hire somebody on. But then I'd, I I th- I think I'd still be kind of, you know, cautious about moving in that direction because I, I would want to do it right. And I wouldn't want to do it where I could offer somebody, you know security and stability and all those great things.
0: You know, so many of the designers that we've talked to on the show, we talk about that one thing that they're most obsessed with, or at least kind of the premise (laughs) of the show is that designers are typically obsessed with many things, but tell us about one thing that you're really obsessed with right now.
1: Um, Right now, I think I am obsessed with um, typography um, and lettering I seem to become more and more obsessed with that a lot. Um, playing with type fonts, tearing them apart, um, making my own lettering, doing my own hand lettering or styling. That's kind of become more and more a thing that I'm obsessed with, I think.
0: Well, I think one place where I've seen you do that before is um, you've had a couple of different projects that you've shown off that were uh, ambigrams where it, you know the word reads one way when it's right side up, and if you flip it over, it reads as something else, or also reads uh, upside down. So, tell me about how you got into <laughs> the specifically into the ambigram space of typography, and and uh, what the attraction was there.
1: I, I, it's interesting because again, I think it was just I got lucky, and I think it was by chance, that I happened into this thing. It happens a lot when we, um, it was we were. We have this thing in Indianapolis, as you know, as some of your listeners probably don't. There is an agency in, in town who um, has a client at a film festival. And so he solicits a lot of other designers and illustrators throughout Indianapolis to contribute to this client's needs. And we all enjoy reinterpreting movie posters and um i participated in that the very first year that he did it and um it was interesting because i was sort of at that point being typecast i think again i think with timber design company as my name and my look is all very you know brown and earthy and outdoorsy and all those things Mm -hmm. which represents a big chunk of who i am but it, it, it it the philosophy of my business falls along those lines too and I was getting a lot of clients at the time hiring me oh we like this look and we like this earthy look and we like what all your stuff can you do that for us and which is great but I think I was at that point where like I was going to I wanted to rebel against that and so as far as the movie poster competition and, and show goes I chose a movie that I thought would be like totally anti-timber design company. I chose Cinderella. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be pink, and it's going to be frilly, and it's going to be all these things (laughs) that that I'm not. Um, I think I spent two weeks working on a design that was decent. I liked it. And I ended up scrapping the whole thing and doing another design that was very, very earthy and brown and, 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 (laughs) and textured and all these things. But as a part of that, one of the things I was doing was showing the two sides of Cinderella, um, the poor pauper side of Cinderella and the glamorous ball side of Cinderella. And so I got to playing with that. I'd seen some ambigrams before where the the words flip and do that sort of thing. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to try this. I'm going to sit down and doodle it out and I'm going to see if it works. And if it it doesn't work, I'm going to scrap it. And I think I just started sketching. And started playing with it and playing with it and playing with it. And then all of a sudden it was it was there and it was done and it worked. And it was like, oh my gosh, it it works. And that wow, <laughs> that was easier than I thought it was. Um and it became part of my poster for Cinderella was this word Cinderella that read the same right side up and upside down. And I think over the years with that movie poster series, I kind of kept that thing going. And, you know, I, I'd always sit down saying, okay, I'm going to try it with this word and see if it works. And it does. And so, I mean, sometimes it takes longer than others and some things are more challenging than others. Doing the, um, lettering for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde movie poster. Um, I think I spent weeks and weeks and weeks on that lettering alone just cause I wanted it to be perfect and it, and it, and it reads actually different. When you flip it over, it reads Doctor Jekyll one way, and it reads Mister Hyde the other way, and that mm-hmm. was hard. Um, but it's like anything, Josh. I mean, it takes it takes time and dedication, and just kind of hashing out the details, and and sometimes staying with it, whether it's working or not. I think Cinderella worked off worked out so well the first time that it kind of gave me the momentum to keep going on on other ambigrams. When They weren't necessarily working out so well to stick with it and say, no, I can get this. I can figure this out and
0: to do it. Well, it doesn't hurt to be a little obsessed with it as well. I am a little obsessed.
1: I mean, somebody today, I was talking to somebody earlier about a design that we're working on. And he's like, well, are you being obsessed with it? And I'm like, yeah, I probably am. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we think so. Yeah. So one of the things, I mean, sort of related to the Ambigram posters, one of the things that I know you've talked about before is how much you value and how important you see self-promotion, especially as a, as a solo practice, just to kind of promote the cool stuff you're doing for your clients, but also to get out there so other people can see your work. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of what your strategy has been on you know, entering award show or being a part of these kind of poster shows or, or trying to get into publications?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, award shows are interesting, aren't they? I mean, I think everybody has a different take or a different philosophy on on what they mean or what they represent or what they represent to themselves. Um and I've and I've heard it all, you know. Oh, we don't enter award shows. We don't we don't like to to tout ourselves or brag and, and we're keeping our clients happy. So that's what's important to us. And
0: mm-hmm. I get
1: all those things. Those things make a lot of sense from a business perspective. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that's not why I enter design competitions. I think we spend our whole lives um, being graded being measured against our peers, we take tests to learn, to know how much we've learned something, to know if we're grasping a concept, we're we're tested through high school, we're tested through, through college, and then you get in the real world, and there's not a whole lot of tests to see how you measure up. And especially in in a creative world, I think it's, it's interpretive, you know, what is art, the whole, going back oh, sure. to the whole concept of this, what is art? Is, is art, art, if it's good or bad, I don't know, you know, and I think I've all, I've always been that, that type of person that wants to know, I want to know how I measure up, uh, you know, yes, from the business of timber design company, can I keep my clients, happy? Yes, absolutely. But can I keep myself happy? And am I, how do I measure up in the world of creativity and design? And and that's kind of why I enter the contests, because I want to, I want to know, I want to know, you know, yeah, I'm keeping my clients happy, but am I any good? And how good am I? I? It's, it's just a pulse for me. It's a pulse to say, "Hey, do I need to challenge myself, oh, and you know, and start maybe thinking outside of the box that I've been in, or or am I doing good?" and and it's just a gauge for me more often than not. And 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 then I think you know those things end up meaning a lot to clients as well. I mean, they they love to get an award for something that you've done. It just validates to them that they've hired the right person and that they're, you know, they're working with the best, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, judging by your website alone because I didn't know about some of these projects uh, personally, but you've, you've obviously worked with some very impressive clients um, certainly on the local level that I'm aware of and uh, national clients like Coca-Cola and the Black Eyed Peas and Third Eye Records. How do you feel like you've made some of those connections or what's been kind of your your end to work with some of those big brands?
1: Um, It's interesting. Um, you know how business is. I mean, we think that we're doing all these great things, but sometimes it's just a matter of who you know or being at the right place at the right time or luck and chance. And I think that some of that has worked out in my favor. There's a lot of people that I've just kind of stayed in contact with over the years. Mm-hmm. I think I listened to a little bit of of Amy and Jen Hutzba, and them talk about how they've 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 always stayed in contact with everybody they've ever met, and I think that's important <laughs> for a business. I mean, as long as you you know to to just keep out there and keep yourself communicating, and that's hard for somebody like me, being an independent guy. Well, I'm not in an office with a bunch of other people. I have to do those things. I have to schedule lunches out. I have to keep communicating with people or I think I'd go crazy sometimes. <laughs> and so that's 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 a, a big, important part of it. It's just people that I've constantly stayed in contact with over the years, and then a project will come up and, hey, you know, so-and-so is working on this. Would you be interested in being a part of it? And you're like, yeah, sure, absolutely. It's interesting because the... Like working with the Black Eyed Peas, it's such a it was such a removed sort of thing. I was working with an agency out of Atlanta who was working with, if I can get this right, Network Live, who was working with AOL, who was working with the Peapod Foundation, who was working for the Black Eyed Peas. I mean, it was like <laughs> six times removed, <laughs> right. but it was just that connection that I had that made it all work, so… I think that's the same way with Coca-Cola. I just happen to be um, at the right place, working with the right people to
0: take on that project. So I was totally picturing Fergie sitting at your desk with you, like over your shoulder.
1: And- <laughs> no, well, it was interesting because you get on um, email change because change when you know the world we live in now. It's all digital and all remote and everything. And to get emails coming back to me that might have Will I Am in there somewhere that says, "Yo, this shit is dope," and it's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" <laughs> so that
0: was fun. That's really all we're looking for is yeah. an email from Will I Am. Exactly. <laughs> Never mind the the awards validation. If you get an email from Will I Am, I think you're pretty good.
1: There you go. I mean, and I've, I've, it's, it's stuff like that that really kind of blow my mind. I mean, I once got. An email out of the blue from J.J. Abrams, just mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, I've seen your stuff in print magazine and just like it. Wanted to say so." So those kind of moments when you, get with that touch of celebrities, like, "Oh, that's kind of awesome."
0: Nice. So, besides the the huge guys, I think you've done a lot of work, and, and a lot of the stuff that I'm familiar with is your work kind of in the food and bev space, and microbreweries, and coffee companies, and like. I think so many young designers, like if they could just wave a magic wand and do work for clients, I feel like your client base is what all the young designers would, would totally go after. So how do you think you've, um, appealed to that world and, uh, you know, sort of (laughs) you've got Coca-Cola on one hand and then a startup coffee company on the other. Like, how do you, how do you appeal to both sides?
1: Yeah. It's, um, I, I, starting in advertising, I had this very business advertising objective in the places that i work and when i started timber design company i started down that route um that first client that i talked about was a hospital client and i became their agency of record and i was doing some great hospital work but i mean we're always reinventing ourselves and times change Mm -hmm. and and things evolve and i think that's what's interesting about our job is is who knows who we're going to be working with tomorrow i mean and it can always be something different every you know i know everything from about bariatric surgery to you know metal recycling to roasting coffee or whatever just because of the relationships we have with our clients and i think that's what happened with timber design company i eventually evolved into more clients that i wanted to work with more clients that were in line with what i wanted to do and my philosophies and the way i work and Part of that is, like I said earlier, just staying in touch with people and staying on people's radars. And some of that is in the promoting myself back to your earlier question. I think when um, 2008 hit and everybody was suffering through a recession, I wasn't. I was busy working because I had some clients that were pretty um, dedicated to working with me and using me and that wasn't changing um, two years after that in 2010 I had clients go away for you know no fault of mine whether my contacts at places left and then the new staff wanted to mix things up a bit or or marketing was taken in-house somewhere out of state or, or who knows what the situation was? There were several key clients that I lost. Where I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I I need to do something to kind of drum up new business." And that's when that's pretty much the first time I ever really had to do that. Because prior to that, it was word of mouth, and I was doing well, and I was I was staying fairly successful, I thought. So I did that one thing that they always tell you to do. They, I don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: Thanks that, for the advice, they.
1: Yeah, to spend money when you least can afford it. And to, you know, we're always telling our clients that too, I guess. You need to spend dollars on advertising and marketing. And so I decided to do that. But I decided to do that in a way I wanted to create a piece that could represent myself, that sh- could showcase um, what I could do. Um spent a bunch of money and having it printed and just started shopping it around, just mailing it out and contacting people and following up with all that and i i it I just I happened on to some key clients that made a really big difference they they received the piece and they'd call me right away and all of a sudden we've got this relationship going. so it paid off for me in the long run and and I'm glad and I still use that piece today. But I, at that point, that's when I started, you know, really focusing and saying, okay, well, I've done this advertising thing and I've done, I've worked with these kind of clients and these kind of corporate clients. What else do I want to do? And I started just kind of target marketing those smaller places, the food and beverage industry, the coffee shops, the, the outdoor recreation places, the breweries, and, and it's worked out. So I'm really kind of thankful for that.
0: Well, it's a good segue. Um, what, you know, you've worked with so many of these cool clients. What's what's your dream client? Like what's a a project or a company that you you'd really love to work with? Oh with in the gosh.
1: Um that's a good good question. I want to continue doing the same really. I mean, I love my clients. I love the work that I'm doing right now. And it's interesting because every time I start thinking about that or thinking about expanding or thinking about whatever, that I hear those voices in my head that people, you know, telling me, oh, you've got the best clients. What you, you're doing is awesome. And I'm like, I kind of remember that and I come back mm-hmm. to that. And I think, yeah, I do have some pretty great clients. I really enjoy what I'm doing. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm really happy I, with the projects I'm doing. I'm doing some really, really creative stuff. I've got clients that value me, clients that trust me. And a lot of the clients being smaller, they have a lot more creative freedom you know to explore and and to try different things. So I just I want to do more of the same, maybe just on a bigger level.
0: Well, it sounds like you've got a great batch right now, but you know, when when that new client calls you up or prospective client, they're saying, "Lars, we love your work or, you know, we heard your name." Like what are what are things that you look out for? What are the red flags that you that kind of make you think, mm, this isn't going to be the right fit." <laughs>
1: You just have to have those conversations. You have to have those sit downs with the client and kind of talk it out. And I think you just, you know, based on how that conversation goes, I think a lot of it has to do with how comfortable they feel with you, how, you know, much they like or respect your work. And and a lot of times I'll feel it. I'll know it right away. You know, well, he's, he's, this person's hesitant or, or, um, you, you might not click like you had expected to, mm-hmm. um and a lot of times it's it 's kind of feeling out budgets if they 're going to be able to afford you i think that 's a lot of times what you don 't know going into some of the, the types of clients that I have with the with the local restaurants and things like that, you never know, first of all, what people are going to want to spend money on mm-hmm. and what they're willing to spend money on. So I have a pretty standard rate for like branding and identity and stuff like that. And you, you never know. You never know what to expect. and I, That's always a good starting point because either they are open to that and can afford it and want to spend their marketing dollars there or they don't. Um and so it's really inter- interesting because you never really know who's going to be okay with it and who's not.
0: So what about when you hit a rough spot either with a client or project or you're, or you're just stuck, you know, just don't know what to what to do, What's how do you how do you get yourself out of that kind of spot?
1: Uh gosh, good question. Um I don't know. I I I keep working. You you just have to keep plowing through I worked on a project recently where I spent several weeks just doing nothing but this branding concept and I kept working on it and working on it and working on it and tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it and it it, it wasn't getting where I wanted to go and you kind of reach that point where you want to just kind of throw up your hands and walk away from it for a while and I think I did I switched gears for several days and and worked on something else and a lot of times for me it's just you've got to keep going keep digging through it and whether you want to or not and I eventually ended up scrapping everything that I had worked on before and tried a new direction and then all of a sudden it clicked and it worked and it was there but it's hard sometimes it's hard to get there it's hard to get through that mud sometimes because we so want to stop, you know, and say, "Okay, this is good enough. This will <laughs> <Right>. work." <laughs> <Close> <laughs> and yeah, and and a lot of people have that philosophy. A lot of people say, "Oh, it's better than good. It's done." And I'm like, "No, no." <laughs> and that's, I think, that's what keeps me going is is striving for excellence. Um, there's a quote by my computer right here that says, "We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit." And I have to keep reminding myself that it's like, it's, it's easy for us all as designers when we get busy or when our schedules are tight or when we're um, need to get something built or whatever to say, Oh, it's good enough. It's, it's done. And I, I try to never stop there. I always try and push myself past that to make sure, you know, is it everything that I want it to be? And and that's my driving force and sometimes that's hard i get it it's hard for me but i you have to for me i have to keep pushing myself because for me it's about being creatively challenged and how am i measuring up again to my peers you know is this excellence have i have i achieved it in my own mind is it you know or not or should i work harder and that really keeps me going
0: so is, is your inspiration simply the fruit of that goal for excellence? Or do you feel like inspiration comes from other places?
1: Um, both definitely. Um, I do get inspired when something has, uh, has been successful when something has turned out beautiful and I like it and, um, I I'm proud definitely, I I take pride in my work and take pride in in the fact that something's good. But I I, I know I didn't get there easily. But again, it goes back to the, the, the publications and just studying them and learning what's good and why is it good and why does it work. I think right now that world is Instagram. You know, yeah. there's where before it used to be print and communication arts and those types of publications. Now I spend a lot of time on Instagram following, you know, other designers and going, oh, my gosh. So when when stuff is so good that it makes you mad.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, that's, that's good. That's inspiration for me. It's like, damn it, I can, I can do that. I can do that. Or I can, I can do something similar to that. And it really, really challenges me to force myself outside of my box to try a different style or try something I've never tried before, whether that's writing or whether that's ambigrams or whether that's type or whatever, to always be looking and learning and, and growing and seeing what I can and can't do.
0: Well, speaking of what you can do, what what would you say is your proudest moment as a designer?
1: Gosh, um, to me, some of my proudest moments are is some of the national recognition I've gotten, whether that's winning a national Addy Award or being published. That stuff speaks volumes to me, mainly because I feel like that's when I've made a difference. It's easy for us to all operate in our own bubbles and to keep clients happy and to keep our nose to the grindstone. But when I feel like I've made an impact on the world at large or the design community at large, when I know that I've got work out there that's published or being seen or recognized on a national or international level, then I feel like, okay that's that, that's done something. Somebody's looking at my work and they hopefully or maybe are being inspired by something they saw and something that I did. And that holds power for me.
0: Yeah, very cool. So what do you think is the best piece of advice either that you've received or that you typically pass along to other younger designers?
1: To younger designers specifically, um, get experience. I I see a lot of people These days, fresh out of school, think that they they've got it. They've got the shit. They're going to go out there and they're going to conquer the world and um, start their own company right off the bat. And they 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 may not necessarily have much world training. I mean, my recommendation to anybody out of school is is get some hands on experience. Learn the ropes, Mm -hmm. you know, get somewhere where you can learn from other people firsthand what it takes to, you know, to do what needs to be done in the world instead of instead of going out there blind and then like fumbling your way and asking a lot of questions you know i think that those first couple years of experience working with somebody else are invaluable i mean i had that and um i was able to learn from some really really great people and i think that's what's made me stronger
0: today did you have any uh specifically any mentors or any design heroes as you were coming up
1: I, I definitely have to uh, give a nod to my high school art teacher, Charlotte Mankey. She was phenomenal impression on me and she was a huge encouragement and somebody that I stayed in contact with, you know, for years and years and years until she passed away just a couple years ago. Um, she was always a very significant person in my life as far as design and, and being creative. I think now it's somebody asked me this question the other day at a, a uh, woodworking friend of mine who's inspired by all these, by all these great names that are um, architects in history or designers in history. And I, I never really had that. I never looked at um, historical designers and drew inspiration for them. For some reason, I just never had that connection. I don't know why, but I, I, now I think it's more modern, you know, current people, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Instagram, I follow a lot of people on Instagram so just being able to look and be inspired by work from, you know, Chad Michael or Nick Slater or Kevin Kendrell or any of those people that are on Instagram, that's kind of, you know, those are, that's inspiration for me.
0: Cool. Yeah. We'll have to get each of those guys on the show too. Yeah. So as we're kind of wrapping things up here, um, maybe with a, with an eye to the future, what do you think you'll be up to in 10 years?
1: Uh, no idea. No clue. I think our, our world is always invol- evolving. And I love that aspect about it. I love the fact that we don't always know what we're going to be doing tomorrow. And I, and I don't. Um, I hope to be continuing doing the same things I'm doing now. I mean, I, I love what I'm doing. I love the hands-on. I love the client relationships. I love being creative. And I want to do more of that. And I want to do it on a bigger scale. Um, I'm, I'm definitely looking, as I think a lot of people are these days, into um, product lines mm-hmm. and things like that. There are some ideas there that I'm toying with to hopefully introduce sometime soon. So,
0: Very cool. Well, that's a good teaser for uh, in a couple of weeks where you hope to have uh, a product line designer on here. So we'll, we'll just leave that at that. Awesome. Lars, it's been great catching up with you. Before I let you go, maybe you could tell us a little bit about where – our fans can find out more about you or see some of your work and what's the best places to connect with you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Instagram would be the, a big strong connect. That's um, Lars Indy, L A R S -S I N D Y on Instagram. Be a great way to see what I'm up to. Um, And my website is Timberdesignco.com.
0: Very cool. We'll definitely link up to all of those things on the show notes. And thanks again for joining us. And thank you for being obsessed with design. All right, guys, that's show number 13 in the books. Thank you so much for joining us today for Lars Lawson. You can get links to all of today's show notes on our website at obsessedshow.com. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Give us a rating and a review and please help others find the show. Tweet to JoshMiles Josh Miles or at obsessed show and let us know who else you think we should interview. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Bye.